DJ and PK, it's time to talk college football with Riley Jensen, college football insider. And he joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Hey, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. So this week, the... uh, the newly updated college football playoff committee rankings are out. Do you now, having seen them, having perused them, which didn't take long because they were what we all expected pretty much, did you uh, come away with more confidence, less confidence, the same amount of confidence the Utes would be invited into the Fab Four playoff? Uh, quite, quite a bit less just because of how far Oregon drops. I, I, I did not – I don't think I anticipated that far of a drop. And then you move – you move Baylor up, what, five spots or six spots to number nine, and all of a sudden it looks like the Big 12 matchup becomes more important than the Pac-12 matchup. I, I, I was a little bit disappointed in how it worked out. Um, it's not anything that the Utes, you know, it's, it's all outside of their control. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure that a ton of style points or anything that they do is going to make a huge difference, but... I don't know. It's just interesting. I don't. I don't know how the formula works. I don't know how that works. I. I mean, I, I just. I just did not see Oregon dropping that far. That's an opinion poll. Who gives a flying? You know what? Anyway, there's nothing based on scientific fact. There's hardly anything's based on the field. It's what people think. Who cares what these people think? It just doesn't matter to me, man. Go win your ball games and and play well, and that's the only. Finish thirteen and one, and you have a phenomenal season. Whether you get in or you don't get in, is some opinion poll. Come on, man. Come on, Riley. Don't don't even thought, don't even give say, it justification. I, I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say that nothing's based on science anymore. And then I was like, oh boy, he's really he's really going off the rails here. But <laughs> no, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm just this is this is all this is a, thirteen people or whatever it is. They come together and have an opinion. Good for them, and they're supposed to act like I'm supposed to believe in it. Nah, come on. Go win the games out on the field. That's all that matters. Utah's had a phenomenal season. They got two more chances to have phenomenal seasons. They even improve upon it. Maybe they'll have more. Who knows? I think I think I think you're right. I think it got exciting there for a minute that there's there's a chance for them to be in the playoffs. I still think there's an outside chance. There I don't is. think it's like no, completely it's over. Not zero, no. But but I think your point is well taken in the sense that the youths just need to go out and they need to take care of business over these next two weeks. Um, whether or not, whether they not, whether or not they go to the playoffs or not is true. It's just the opinion of somebody else. It's right. not. It's not really up to them. Right. But going, I think that if you're a Utah fan and you're looking at these polls, you really have to look at it and go, "This is an amazing team that has had an amazing season." If they finish off these last two weeks and they're able to go to play in the Rose Bowl. Even if it's just the Rose Bowl. I mean, I can't believe we're saying just the Rose Bowl, right? Don't ever say but, that, Riley. I would totally agree with that. Don't ever say that. There's another phrase we're not using that matters, too, but we'll get to that in a minute. Go ahead. Carry right, on. right. And, and, and I'm the one that slipped and almost said that. But you should go and enjoy arguably the best team that's ever been um, on the field for the Utah Utes. I mean, this is an amazing team with amazing players. It's an amazing defense. The offense is now in the top twenty in offense. It's just a it's just a really fun team and a magical season. And regardless of the outcome of whether they're in the playoffs or whether they're in the Rose Bowl, 
you should be excited about this team. And if you go watch them hammer Minnesota, you know, 29 to 3, 28 to 3 in the Rose Bowl because they're such a good team, that that should be a great a great story for for everyone who's a Utah fan. If that happens, I'm going to carry Kyle off the field on my shoulders. <laughs> Of course you are. Of course you are. I know you'll be at the Rose Bowl. It's the granddaddy of them all. It is the granddaddy. It's just you don't even need them of the of them all. It's just simply the granddaddy. Oh, okay, okay. I just the only thing the only thing that will be regretful to me is that Keith Jackson won't be announcing the games. You know that was, ah the that voice of your youth, fun. huh? That's the soundtrack of your college football fandom, right there. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. There was, a, I, I just remember one time there was there was a my freshman year at Snow College. I didn't play very much, but there was there was a wide receiver that played for us by the name of Keith Jackson, which is which is not a great story. Till I keep telling the story, he signed at Wisconsin, played wide receiver at Wisconsin. The next year, he's playing in the Rose Bowl, returning kickoffs. With Keith Jackson, I'm announcing that Keith Jackson is back to re- to receive the kickoff. That was that's one of my favorite memories is is my friend Keith Jackson being announced by Keith Jackson in the Rose Bowl. That was a fun memory for me. So before we worry about the bowls or anything like that, winning a Pac-12 championship, Colorado's had the same amount of time. They haven't gotten it done. It's been 17 years for Washington State, 20 for UCLA, 23 for Arizona State. Cal and Oregon State, you got to go way back in the day. Having the chance to hoist that trophy on Friday night, before anything else happens on Saturday, and before you find out on Sunday what your destination is, those moments don't come around very often. There's three or four teams that have been dominating the league for almost two decades now. To get that and have that moment and not know how much longer before you get to have it again, it seems like that moment ought to be to win the conference that you wanted to be in the conference you got in and to win the most important sport, the championship in football. It's like that moment should be a big deal before you get to anything else, but it seems like we're all just blown right by it. Uh, absolutely. I mean, isn't it I, – I believe it's you guys that have said it out loud. Arizona's never been, have they? No, They've they haven't. Oh, thanks for bringing that like up, that. RJ. Yeah, that. Merry Christmas yeah, to yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, think about that for a minute, though. There's teams that are in the Pac-10 that in their whole history have never been to the Rose Bowl. And so it's, it's, it's interesting to me that it is getting just kind of like – you know, uh, not not boohooed, but just like it's it's kind of like it's like okay, well I'll settle for the Rose Bowl. Maybe poo pooed instead of boohooed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so it's it, it is interesting to me, and and to think about it, is this the ninth year in the league, the eighth year in the league? Ninth. I get confused. Ninth, ninth year in the league. I mean, such quick work by Kyle Whittingham and his staff, and I think. I think they deserve a lot of credit. I mean, it's, it doesn't seem that long ago that we were we were super stressed out about those first two years in the Pac-12 and the adjustment and were they going to be able to do it. And the next year, Kyle came through with a winning season. Man, it felt like the Rose Bowl was far away. It certainly didn't feel like – man, it feels like I can even remember polls. Will, will the Utah youth ever go to the Rose Bowl? Yeah. And now it's oh, right yeah, there yeah. at your fingertips. Now it's right there at your fingertips, and I think it's such a cool, I think it's a cool thing for the state 
And I think it's a really cool thing if you're a Utah fan. It's a really cool thing for me, which is what I care about the most. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, two you years care ago, about you. Yeah, well, if I don't, who, if I don't, who do? Man, I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, jeez, <laughs> who is this guy, David? Who is this guy? Same guy's been for 18 years. <laughs> I know. We were getting this back in 2003. Same deal. Hey, is it 18 years on the radio now? How how long is it? No, it's approaching. With that. you too. It's approaching that. We're not there. It's uh, probably 17 and two thirds or something. Oh it'll be eighteen. In, it'll be eighteen in early April. Dude, I, I would love it, and I know I know that we can't do this. I would love it if somebody did a highlight of like the top ten times that you guys really got in like a lovers' quarrel, in like a, in like a little bit of a fight between you two. <laughs> it should be <laughs> Billboard hilarious. Top One Hundred. Well, sometimes oh he gets gosh. his little feelings hurt. I mean, you gotta just you gotta account for it. But then the great thing about it is, three weeks later, he's nominated for some award. So. And then, he, and then he wins it. So. Yeah, you don't. You don't get your feelings hurt at all, do you? No, he doesn't have feelings. He gave. Him I up. mean, here he is. He's nominated for Sportscaster of the Year. What the hell different did he do this year than he did any other year? Nothing. And and what? Well, I mean, what, he, come on. What did he, he do? Bigger? He could probably. He could probably win it every year. That's I know it's though. a joke. And and this year, one of the biggest stories. I was thinking about this because I'm extremely bitter. I'm going to be up front. I'm extremely bitter, Riley. One of the biggest stories we've had this year was the resignation of Dave Rose. Well, who he 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 quit at the end of March. Let's see who went on the radio the end of February and said, "Watch out for Dave Rose. This is going to be his last year." Young Hatch, get on the phone here. Get on the uh, microphone. Who may have said that in freaking February? One Patrick thought, Kinahan. It wasn't DJ. <laughs> no, it's PK. <laughs> Do I get any credit? Does anybody nominate me? No, I just get crapped on again. If you want to know, you know when what, his little feelings though. get hurt, Riley, it was right about there. Suck. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I mean, aren't you guys like, I mean, you know, when you guys have been married this long, like, <laughs> do we really care who gets the credit? Right, and unfortunately, I mean, I'm so humble and such a team-oriented guy that I don't care about that like stuff. It. No. It the last two minutes now. Like as it long as like we get the credit, that's all that matters. I don't need the credit. I've never wanted the credit, never needed the credit. I just have a it deep sense of humility. Like it. Yeah. <laughs> it, definitely, it definitely sounds like it. It sounds like it doesn't matter who gets the credit. <laughs> There's a thing I wanted to throw at at, at you, Riley. You're a quarterback dude, right? Oh, yeah. Long okay. time ago. So you train, you've been training quarterbacks for many, many years. And yep. you, you know your stuff. And so you look at Tyler Huntley, and two years ago as a freshman, he's throwing four picks against the Sun Devils. Now he's just off the charts. I mean, he's just incredible. And I would love to see the kid be in New York for Heisman. He's such a great story. Well, you look at last Saturday – and you had two kids who this time last year were in high school throwing for a combined 900 yards. Slovis for SC throwing for over 500 and Daniels at ASU throwing for over 400. And both of these kids are first year freshmen. To me, that is a phenomenal story that towards the end of their freshman years, they're lighting it up to this level, 500-plus yards and 400-plus yards, and their first-year freshmen. How do you explain the advancement of these kids? Because no longer 
is it expected of you to come in, red shirt, sit for two years, and then have a shot in your third year to take over the program? Now, it's literally from day one. Slovis needed an injury. Daniels was from day one. But still, Slovis looks awesome. Explain that for me as to how that is happening. Kids who are barely removed from high school are lighting it up at the major college level. Well, I mean, it's pretty simple. There's just there's so many more opportunities for high school quarterbacks now to get reps. And I mean, you know, call it what you want. You can you can say it's the pylon sports seven on sevens that they're going to. You can say that it's the youth shoot in the summer. You can say it's all these different summer camps that they're going to. But from from really the month of like March all the way through the football season. There's all kinds of opportunities for quarterbacks to get better right now, um, you know. And you can go around the country to to different places and just get seven on seven, even if it's not with your team. And and you can get really really good reps. I mean, just just here in the state, you have yeah you have my camp that, that you can go and you can get seven on seven. And and I'm not saying that it's that it's our camp and anybody's camp, but just the ability to get so many reps makes quarterbacks much more prepared than they've been in the past. I also think that when you look at Daniels, when you look at Slovis, um, I mean, I mean Slovis, I know he's a USC quarterback, and I know, I know the story is, is like how amazing this is, but he wasn't recruited by a ton of guys, and, and he got recruited late by them. And he's come in, and he's just got this – I, I, I think the second part to this is – so the first part is tons of reps – the second part is, is when they get so many reps, these guys are just deadened to to some of the looks that defenses give them. They're just like, okay, well, I've seen this a million times, right? And now you've got a guy like Slovis who has some unbelievable receivers on the outside, and when they run the routes right, I mean, it's just like in high school except for a little bit faster, and he's got guys that can go make great catches for him. So the, the only thing that I can explain is there's there's a ton more reps and that psychologically that slows the game down for them. And I think that there's there's a bunch of coaches out there around the country that are a lot better at understanding the passing game than there ever has been. It used to be, I mean, you have to understand, I graduated in 1992. Some people that are listening to it are like, that, that, that's forever ago, right? But it's but it's not that it's not that long ago as far as you know, football goes that that the most attempts I had in a high school game were 15. I mean, there's quarterbacks in high school right now that are getting 15 attempts in a quarter. <laughs> you know, yeah. like they're throwing the ball, they're throwing the ball 45 times a game. And so it's it's interesting to think about how the game has changed. And most of the coaches when I was in high school, and even up until like just 15 years ago. Most coaches that were offensive coordinators were really, really good at understanding the nuances of the run game. But I think in the last 15 years, it's really opened up that coaches understand the passing game. They're much more willing to do it than they've ever been. And I think it's a trickle-down effect from college football to high school football, even down to little leagues. There's much more passing in all three of those levels than there's ever been. And so it translates to the next level. And Daniels is so fun for me to watch. And Slovis is so fun for me to watch. Not only are they athletic and smart, but but they're making great passes. I mean, those two guys are going to be really, really fun to watch for the next 
Well, probably just for the next two or three years. Probably not for the next four years like it used to be. So when you talk about all the reps these uh, kids are getting in the seven-on-seven camps now, you're kind of hinting at the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000-hour rule, 10,000 repetitions. That's what leads to greatness. You do something over and over. You really get it down. You can process it mentally so quickly. But then we also have people saying kids shouldn't specialize, which they kind of have to if they're going to get in 10,000 reps at anything that they should play multiple sports, and there are examples of great athletes who played multiple sports as kids, and it, it really does kind of underline, well, don't have your kids specialized. So the parent who's out there trying to guide their kid, their head's spinning now. What would you tell them? Because it seems like we're getting the, – the stories are crossing here, and it's not making sense. They're conflicting. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, that's a point that's really well taken. To me, you know, the whole Malcolm Gladwell – I mean, he stole that whole idea from a guy by the name of Anders Ericsson who just studies, you know, greatness. And there's there's a couple of different keys to the 10,000-hour rule. Number one, just because you practice for 10,000 hours doesn't mean you're going to be good. They have to be deliberate. The practice has to be deliberate. It has to be exact. And you have to be shooting good basketball shots to get good at shooting if you're going to shoot. It can't just be like, I'm just up there chucking it up, right? And then the second part, you know, as far as the two-sport athlete goes, I I still think there's a lot of guys that are two-sport athletes. I mean, you look at you look at Zach Wilson. I mean, he was playing he was playing two sports up until his senior year in high school. You look at Cole Hagen, who will get recruited out of Corner Canyon High School. He was playing. You know, he he was on the the state championship basketball team last year for Corner Canyon, and now he's won two football championships. I mean, these guys that are playing quarterback are really good athletes. I think the days of a three-sport athlete are completely gone. I still think you can work two. The, the thing that gets crazy is most of them have to be like football and basketball or football and wrestling type thing because once March and April starts, it's really difficult to play baseball and be a quarterback. But I still – the upside to playing two sports is – and if you talk to Gary Anderson about this, he loves the two-sport athlete – is sometimes – they haven't been as focused in the weight room and they haven't been as focused on the skill that you're trying to develop. And so there's huge upside. The downside to specializing sometimes is that you've hit your ceiling, right? Like, okay, you're so good. That's as good as you're going to get. Now in the case of Daniels and Slovis, that's awesome. But in the case of, you know, Riley Jensen, if he'd hit his ceiling and there's no upside to him, then maybe you don't get recruited because there's not a lot of upside to what you're doing. And so, that's where that's where it becomes interesting, and I I love the two sport athlete because typically when you play two different sports, you're not always the dominant guy in one of those sports, and you have to learn how to be a team player. You have to learn how to compete when you don't have the same skill set in a different sport, and you're getting those mental reps and competing at a high level, even though you might not be the guy. So it teaches you how to be a team player. It teaches you how to work through some difficulty and some adversity that maybe you don't have in the other sport where you're a little bit more dominant. All right, we never really got to BYU-San Diego State and what ought to be a low-scoring game. Just tell us real quick who you think is going to win that with San Diego State giving up 13 points a game, six in the country, but only scoring 19 points a game, which is bottom 15 in the country. Super low-scoring. It's going to be difficult for BYU to run the ball. It will be a little bit contingent on how well Zach Wilson can throw the ball. As he's getting hit, because San Diego State will hit him. I think it's a close game. I think BYU wins like a 21-17 to type game. 
Riley, thanks. We appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Thanks again for having me on. Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.